Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. Well, thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, And as I prayed, I prayed this will be enjoyable and formative as well as hopefully even inspirational as we go through these next couple of weeks. Uh, This was intended to be a two and a half week series. We do it last week and tonight and then we wrap it up next week. Of course, last week kind of changed a few things. So we're going to change a little bit ourselves, but we're going to tonight start off with our foundation. Next week, we'll get into some more specifics but I'm glad that you've joined us, and I know I've thrown all of you off because I put those stupid things back there. You don't get your seat in the back, so I appreciate you being flexible and moving forward. But it's just easier if we're all together, don't you think? Isn't this nice just to all be cozy together, right? All right, so that's why we did that, and I appreciate your, your flexibility. Let me ask a question before I get started. How many have been, uh, been a regular part at Calvary for three years or less? Could I just see your hands? Wow, look at all that. That's fantastic. Okay, how many been at part of Calvary uh, five years or less? Okay, all right, a couple more. Okay, I should have said three to five years. Now you're getting confused. I get it. Okay, how many (laughs) how many been Calvary probably between five and ten years? That would be me. There. Okay, a few of you. All right, ten to twenty years been a part of Calvary. And then how many you old uh, how many of you guys have been here more? (laughs) How many been here more than twenty years? Been at Calvary more than twenty years. Fantastic. Wow. What a, what a great combination we have. We have some of the newbies as well as some of the not newbies, all right? So I, I'm glad that you guys are here, and, and I hope this is exciting. Here's what I know. Uh, whether you've been here uh, two years or you've been here 20 years, you've heard vision before. You've heard guys talk about it. I've talked about it. That's why I know it's possible. So I, I hope that tonight is, is an encouragement, and as we talk about what, what uh, things are coming up, we're, we're looking forward to, a, 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 obviously, a new year. But we, we also will stop over the course of these, these uh, nights and just thank God for what he did last year. We had a great 2018, and we thank him for the things that we were able to experience. And we're going to reflect a little bit more on that next week as we get into it. So tonight, we're going to kind of lay the foundation of where we wanted to start. And to do so, we're going to talk about that, that word vision a little bit, which is not an unusual word. And, of course, the obvious, uh, the obvious illustration of that is is what I'm what I'm wearing right here okay what, what we have is 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 glasses and so I, I actually brought up a couple of of different styles of those you have uh, um, sunglasses okay these, these are quite a attra- I can't even get them on my big head okay you have sunglasses you have safety glasses which you're familiar with right they, they have their purpose and then you also have the famous 3d glasses I think we should pass these out in church let's just make the whole service a little bit differently all right here's the point as I see glasses, or in that, that context, what it is, is these, for specifically for me, now that I'm reaching that age where I need assistance, right, these are corrective. These, are, these help me to be able to see. In fact, well, they're not even up here. I don't know if they even know this story, but the first wedding I did here at Calvary uh, was Philip and Becky Albert. That was the first wedding I did when I came here to Calvary, right? But what many people don't know, and I don't even know if I ever told them this story. That's why I was hoping they'd be in here, but they're down helping with the kids is um, when I came up, I had forgotten my glasses. I was still getting used to taking them on and off, and I walked in here, I get up on stage, and as she's coming down the aisle, I go, I don't have any glasses. And I looked down at my Bible, I said, I'm having a little trouble because it's usually dark. My wife saw the panic look to my face, and of course, rather than going and get my glasses, she just laughed. You know my wife, she just <laughs> snickered, okay? 
And come to find out, literally, I, I did that wedding by memory for the most part. Uh, I remembered vows enough. They just wanted traditionals. I think they're married. I don't know. As far as I know, they are. Okay. As best I could, we got them through everything because we, we know we need things like that for, for correction. Uh, but here's what I see with glasses, they, they, for whatever purpose, these glasses become a filter by which you then see reality. The vision is affected by these glasses. I put them on, I put them off, it's affected. It becomes a filter by which I see reality. You put these sunglasses on, that, that filters out certain light. Put the 3D glasses on, it come, uh, even the safety glasses, even if it's for precaution, there's a filter involved with that. And that's the idea of vision, is what filter are we taking to look at what God has in mind for us as a church? What, what is the filter that we're using to see where God has brought us, what he wants us to do, what the biblical purpose that he has for us. And so tonight, that's what we're talking about. We talk about vision. The foundation is, what is our filter? What is it that we're using to do what God has called us to do? And, and I hope that, that we, you'll, some of this will be reviewed, some of it may be brand new for some of you, uh, but I hope that's where it comes to. That's where this morning, I, I gave you the little bit of a, a teaser. If you had your, your outlines from this morning, the top two blanks uh, were not filled in. And, and here's the verse that I want us to begin with. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18. Uh, if you've been in church, especially this church, I know you've heard this. The Bible said in, in this particular version, where there is no vision, the people perish. I know those words are hard. We, we get them. And I know for a fact that um, this is a verse that's used often in meetings just like this. In churches, I've heard it myself. I'm pretty sure I've used this for the very reason that we're here tonight as far as talking about vision. You need a compelling vision to do what God has called you to do. And the pastor lays out the compelling vision. And man, it's so serious because if you don't have a vision, what happens? people perish. I mean, this is really serious stuff if you don't have a particular vision. And, I, and that's, that's how I've looked at it. Here's what God has us to do for the year. This is our vision because if we don't have a clear-cut vision, then people will perish. I know I've used it. I've thought about it before, but here's what I've learned over the years. <laughs> that's not what this verse means at all. The vision that's used here in this verse, um, it, it's, a, it's a great word, but it literally is not about vision as far as seeing the future and seeing what God has for us. Here's another translation that you'll see where there is no, where there is not a prophetic vision or the word is literally a revelation. The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. What, what the, the writer of Proverbs is telling us is at the, where there is no, the prophetic vision, in case you're not familiar, that would be what we talked about this morning. That would be the Bible. That would be the, the words that the prophet, that was their job. The prophets were called to get a message from God and deliver it to the people. They didn't, at that point, especially the, the time of the Proverbs and even through most of the New Testament, they didn't have a written word at all. What they had was they heard from the prophets. The prophets heard from God, and, and then he told them, you tell the people what I tell you to tell them. That became the prophetic message. We now know that as the Bible. That, for them, this was the prophetic message that God had given them. And, and so what he tells them, is, what he's saying to them is if you, when you don't have a prophetic message, when you don't have a clear message from God, people perish. People cast off restraint is literally what that word perish means. Now, that, I want you to think about this because there's some great understanding if we, really, when we truly understand what this verse is talking about. That word literally means what it says. Let go, loosen, cast off restraint, to, to let things go. To, and that's why they perish is because you've cast off re restraint. 
There, there's another verse uh, in the Bible that uses this particular verse. 1 Samuel, chapter number 3. Uh, if, if some of you are familiar with the story of, of Samuel, when he, as he was getting into his ministry, uh, the, one of the first things that happened to him, it, it talks about this, this atmosphere. It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there was not many visions. Now, that's the same word visions that we have in our Proverbs. There were not many revelations. Why? Because the word of the Lord was, was rare. For whatever reason that God chose, and there's probably, there's a lot of conjecture, but for whatever reason, God was not giving a lot of new message to the people, or the people weren't listening, however you want to look at it, but there was not a, the word of God was rare. There was not a, a strong message from God, and what does the Proverbs tell us? When you don't have that, they cast off restraint. Now, let me give you an idea what that means, because when he said that in 1 Samuel, there were not many visions, the timeline of that was Samuel was coming in right at the end of the period of what we know as the judges of the Old Testament, okay? He was one of the last judges and become one of the first prophets in this next section. And so here's what we know about the period of judges. In the book of Judges, chapter number 21, here's how the very book of Judges ends. These are the last words of the book. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, in one way, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean, that sounds kind of like what people say today, doesn't it? I mean, just do what you think is right. But if you're familiar with the book of Judges at all, Judges, Judges is a great book, some great things in there, but it's also one of the most disturbing books, I believe, in the Scriptures. Some of the things people did, and you think, how, did, how, how can a person do that to another person? How can people go to that extent? Okay, so follow the reasoning of Proverbs. Where there is no prophetic vision, Remember, the word of God was rare. There was no visions. The people cast off restraint. They just do whatever they want to do. And what does that lead to? It leads to, to perishing. It leads to destruction. So you following what this verse is saying. When you don't have a clear uh, understanding of the scriptures and when the, the, the message is not clear, then we have, this, we, we have casting off restraints. Boy, does that not sound familiar in our culture, doesn't it? The less we know of God's word, the more people just kind of do what they want to do. And where does that ultimately lead us to? cast off restraints. You perish, right? But he says, on the contrary, but happy is he who keeps the law. If we understand the Bible and the message is clear, now we don't have just, we don't have prophetic, prophetic messages from the old. We have the Bible. We have 66 books of prophetic messages from God. And so now, as long as what our job is, is to keep the Bible clear, to keep the Bible in front of people, to keep the truth real, because as long as the prophetic vision can go forth, then people can know what direction to go. And they can know. So it, this verse, although Proverbs 29, 18 is not specifically about casting a vision for the future, it really sets a great foundation for what we're going to talk about tonight, because if our vision for the future of Calvary is not based on the word of God and on the message that God has for us, then we're in danger of doing it the way that we want to do it. Does that not make sense? And when that happens, <laughs> right, that's what happens with individuals. It can happen with the church. It happens with countries, nations. When the word of God, which, which is so sad because we have it, it's not that we don't have it, but if the word of God is not clear and proclaimed, then people just kind of do whatever they want to do. But if we base our vision, even what we're going to talk about tonight of, of, and next week of talking about where God wants us, we, put on, we understand it as where does God want us to do? What is God's message for us? We take it from that foundation, then we can begin to see whatever we do, if we're doing it according to, his, according to that foundation, it changes everything. So that's what I want to get to. The vision is clear. 
And, and it's found right here in this book. So now, how do we take and apply that on an everyday basis for our church? All right, so tonight's meeting is, uh, the first meeting is meant to be kind of, uh, I'll use the word philosophical. It's, a, it's talking about where it is, what we're meant to do, and then next week we're going to get into more specifics of literally what, how we then apply this on a regular basis. Make sense? Okay, so you have your pages tonight. You, you filled in your blank from this morning. I hope everyone's now can sleep well because you filled in your empty blanks from this morning's message. Now we start on this vision, Calvary 2019. Our fa- vision is based on God's word. And to start with, we'll, we'll kind of ask the questions we've been asking. Why is this important? Why is a, a meeting like this? Why do we need to, to understand the, the, the understanding of our vision? So let's talk, first of all, about clarifying our vision and why that is important. What's, what is the, the reason that we're doing this? Let me give you f- uh, four short things that I, want you to, that I hope that, that happen tonight over the next couple of weeks. One, we need to do what we're doing tonight so that we sharpen our focus, so that we, we put on the, the right corrective lenses. Uh, here's what, you got to be honest, folks. We, we, our society talks a lot about uh, folks having ADHD. That's the new phrase, right? Here, here's what I know, and I'm not being facetious at all. I know a lot of Christians that have spiritual ADHD. They just are bouncing from one thing to another, spiritually, whatever, because they're, and, and so every once in a while, even as churches, it's important that we come back and we laser focus what God has called us to do, and we really get on the, uh, the, the cliched same page so that we're all moving in the, in the same direction. It's very important. Listen to what Paul said, Acts 20, 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Now that is laser focus. I have no other, uh, I just, I'm just here to do what God has called me. This is my focus. And if we can come back to, that's part of what we want to talk about tonight, to remind ourselves what God has called us to do and to, and to do that with a laser focus. I, my only desire is, my only aim is to do what God has called us to do. That also then obviously allows us to do it in unity because now we're talking about the laser focus is not just someone talking about it, but if we now share this, this focus and that be, our laser becomes this is what God has called us to do, it allows us then to have that much more emphasis and power. The second reason is it helps us to keep our balance. Uh, not only do we have a lot a tendency to kind of uh, go all over, but we, we literally have a tendency in churches, and this is what uh, that many of you have seen and I've seen it, you tend to, the tendency is to to uh, shift or to drift towards the strongest personalities or the person with the loudest or, or maybe the most influential voices or to maybe sometimes it's just the leader and wherever the leader decides to go, there's this personality. And some of that's natural. That just happens. But what we have to understand is the, the church isn't, shouldn't be based on a personality or a, a strong opinion. It should be based on what God has us to do. So if we get our focus back, we, we begin to see that, that this is about doing it God's way, and the leaders are there to, to not only discover that but to help imp- implement that. The other thing I know is statistics tell us that 80% of the work in church is done by 20% of the people or less. So the, ma- the vast majority of what's done in church is done by the minority of people. And so if we can sharpen our focus and get in balance where we understand that every person, everyone that attends here, everyone that's listening to me tonight, God would not have brought you here to sit and to sit, spectate. 
God has a reason for you being here. Has a, and so in balance, we understand that all of us need to work together to make this happen. Our focus becomes balanced and we understanding not only what God has for us, but also that I I'm I'm should be a part of this. God has a reason for this. Um, Ephesians 4, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Every part, every, uh, every part has a work. Every part needs to grow. And as each part does its work and grows, the whole body gets healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, it's that simple that we, that we come back, and this helps to bring us in balance. That's what I'm hoping these meetings do. Help to encourage you, challenge you to, to, do, to be a part of what God has called you because as we are, if we're all working together, it begins, we begin to see the balance. Here's a third why, and that is to adjust our attitudes. Be honest. How many times your spouse has said, you need an attitude adjustment? Anybody? Okay. How many of that was today sometime? No, you don't have to say that, okay? But you've, someone along your line has said that to you in some form or fashion. Your attitude stinks, right? You need to adjust your attitude. Sometimes it's not even just stinking, stinking thinking. It's just the idea of uh, we just, we're not thinking the right direction. Our attitudes, there's so many ways we can apply this, whether it be uh, adjusting it for humility, for flexibility, cooperation, participation, all of those, adjusting our attitude to see what we're meant to do, that we're meant to do this together, and let God kind of maneuver our minds and kind of change us a little bit so that we get back doing what we're called to do together or keep on doing what God has called us to do together. But there's two specific attitudes that I want to sh- share. One is 1 Corinthians 9.22 that says, Paul said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Church, do you realize that God, I believe, has called us, and this verse, in my opinion, is a whatever-it-takes attitude. Whatever it takes to do what God has called us to do. Whatever the risk, whatever steps of faith, whatever uncomfortable things we have to do, we have to be willing to, to change and to adapt because whatever it takes, as long as we're staying under the foundation of God's word, Whatever it takes to do what God has called us to do, we ought to do it. Adjust our attitude to back to whatever it takes, God, and that's going to, whatever that requires of me, sacrifice whatever, whatever it takes. And then Colossians also talks about that whatever we do, we do it with all of our heart. We do everything for the best that we can do. It doesn't mean that we're comparing ourselves to any other churches. We're not as best or better than them or best as that. We're just the best that God has given us with who God has given us and the things he's called us to do, we do our best. We adjust our attitudes to do whatever it takes and do it the best way that we possibly can. All right? Adjust our attitudes. Number three, or number four, is we check our progress. That's what vision meetings like this are good for. And I hope that we will do that. Um, last year, 2018, one of the things that we did, we set it aside as a year of assessment. We took a, a church health assessment. We developed a church health team. From that health team, we set some goals that we're, we're implementing over the next nine months of this year and, and doing things. We're, you're going to see that happening in church and in groups, all those kind of things, because it's important that you assess. But if you just assess, that's one thing, but you've got to be willing then to adjust upon what you learn. And so it's about checking our progress. Here's what Paul said. I press on toward the goal. You've heard this before. But anybody know what he said before that? He said, there's one thing I do, and that's going to be pressed toward the goal. But before I press toward the goal, what did he say that he did? Forget those things which are behind. 
stretching forward to the things that are before. Then I press towards the goal. The one thing is pressing toward the goal. This is what we go after. But before I get there, I've got to be able to put the past in the past, and I've got to be able to, to see and stretch towards the future. It's the idea of, of assessing where you're at, taking, and, and of course, the past is the past. We can't change it. But you look, you grow from it, you take and you, you assess and you move forward, and then you press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that's what our goal is, is to these next couple of weeks to look at uh, who we are, sharpen our focus, uh, kind of help us all get back in balance, adjust our attitudes, assess our progress, and see what God wants us to do. That's what we're headed for. So now tonight, let, let me help you sharpen our focus a little bit. And some of this is review, but some of it is so critical that we have to make sure we understand that. First word was why. Why are we doing this? Sharpening our, clarifying our vision. Second word is what. What is it that we are called to do? Well, here's what we believe to be the, the best way to put the vision or the mission of Calvary Baptist Church. And see if you can fill in these blanks. I think all, most of you can. On your outline, it says Calvary's mission. Calvary's mission is to make disciples that make disciples. That's a very simple, very clear, and the Bible, I think, is very clear. Jesus said it in, in Matthew 28. He said, then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So now, based on that authority, Jesus has all authority. Death, burial, and resurrection is given to that. Based on that, he says, so here's what I'm telling you to do. I've got all the authority. Now, here's what, here's what my authority is telling you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In that verse, from therefore go, the only, the only imperative commanding verb, although they're in, in English, and maybe, but in the Greek, the only one is what we say, make disciples, methetes. That's the, only, that's the one, that is his command. My authority says go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. He said, that's what God has called us to do. That's our mission. That's, what, that's the last, some of the last things Jesus said to his disciples. Some of the, the, as he's leaving, we, we don't know exact timing, but in that, those last minutes, they're gathered there on the mountain. He says, okay, guys, this is the mission. And as, as now followers of his perpetual disciples following, that's our mission. Go and make disciples, and the, pri the principle is we make disciples who then make disciples who then make disciples, and, it be, and it's, the, it's the trend, and, and to be honest, folks, if you want to figure out if it works, the fact that you're sitting here tonight proves that it works. The fact that you are believers 2,000 years after these words were given proves that his, his philosophy works. 2,000 years ago, he said, go and make disciples that make disciples. Have we done it perfectly as church over the 2,000 years? Absolutely not. Have we made mistakes? Of course we have. Are people still not getting it? Oh, absolutely. But Jesus said, go make disciples, teach, baptize them, and teach them. And the fact that you're sitting here tonight is because someone showed you how you could become Jesus Christ. They made a disciple. And now what our job and our goal, our privilege is, is to do, turn around and do that. Th that's how it continues to perpetuate as long as we do what God has called. We make disciples that make disciples. And I love the last phrase, surely I'm with you always. I, some of you recognize this, but the way the book of Matthew starts and the way the book of Matthew ends, if you remember, book of Matthew, Jesus is introduced as to, to Joseph and Mary. You're going to call him Emmanuel. Remember that? That was Matthew chapter 1. Emmanuel means what? God with us, right? That's how he's introduced. 
Now, how does he go out? He said, and guys, go make disciples. And, and don't forget, Emmanuel, I am with you always. So he came in. He's Emmanuel. He's now with us. And we do his, we're, as we're doing his work as disciples, he is with us constantly. That's what God has called us to do, go and make disciples. But here's what we got to remember. As we're clarifying our vision is to ask a question then, so what is a disciple? We have to make sure we understand that. Well, here's another words that Jesus said, Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When he called his first disciples, this, is, this was the simple, simple statement. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So what, we're, what we believe, what, what our vision is, is God has called us to make disciples. But we have to know what a disciple looks like. Because here's what we know about the, what the scripture says. The, the very, uh, we, we often use the word Christian in our society. Not a bad word at all. It literally could be defined as a Christ one, someone who is like Christ. In fact, when you see it in the New Testament, it was actually never, it, it, except in one case, was it ever given by Christians themselves? It was their people, mostly their enemies, saying, oh, those are those Christ-looking people, right? It was, that was what it, that's how the term came about, because they looked like Christ. But do you recognize that only three times in the whole New Testament is the word Christian ever used? And like I said, two of them were from their enemies. But the word disciple is used over 200 times in the New Testament. Jesus, there's nothing wrong with the word Christian, but it wasn't a call to be Christians. It was called to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus. We've got to make sure we understand what a disciple is so that we ourselves are being disciples. And so we are also, if we're making disciples, that we know what we're trying to do, what we're trying to lead people. So here's how we have, uh, have defined what a disciple is. A disciple is one who is committed to following Jesus, committed to being changed by Jesus, and committed to being on mission with Jesus. What is a disciple? Someone who, follow me, he says. Someone who's committed to following Jesus. And then he said, and someone who's being changed, I will make you. Jesus gets involved. When we receive that we're following him, then he begins to make us, to change us, and then ultimately to be on mission with Jesus, to make you fishers of men, just like he was. I came to seek and to save the lost. That's our mission, is to seek and to save the lost, as Jesus did. That's what we're called to do. So in, a, in the, the idea of discipleship, the journey, let me share with you. Just, I want to make sure we understand what a disciple is, because this is important. If we're supposed to make disciples, so and it's not just about making converts, that's where it starts. They, they're converted, but it's more than that. It's, it's teaching them to follow Jesus, and, and as they follow him, they change, and then they get on mission. A disciple is more than someone who says, that says I am a follower of Jesus. It's one who begins, somehow it begins to translate in their life. Here's some words that we, you'd find about this. Uh, there's three B's and an R on this one. Uh, the, word is, the first word that we know about the, the path of discipleship is believe. That's how discipleship starts. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul told the Philippian jailer, and you will be saved. That's the moment of new birth. Discipleship begins when a person accepts Christ. That's a, de, uh, that's a defined moment. You don't just always, you, it's, if, you, if you hear someone say, I've always been a Christian, that's just not true. 
It's a nice thought, but it's not true. I've always believed in God. Well, that's nice, but that doesn't mean you've always been a Christian because a true believer is one who there's a defined moment when you recognize your sin and your need for Jesus and you receive his gift. The new birth is a defined moment. There's not a woman in here that would, would say, who's had a child, that would say, eh, I think I had a child. I'm not sure. I can't, can't remember. There was a very defined moment in your life when, when that little sucker popped out. Am I correct, right? That's a defined moment. So it's not an accident that Jesus refers to our salvation, our start in discipleship, as a new birth. It's a defined moment. You may not remember the exact day and where you, you but, but there has to be a moment that you can point to to say, that's when I re- recognize, that's how discipleship starts. It's a defined moment, and it's a defining moment. That changes everything. It changes your eternity. It changes you. You're now a new person. You're not the same that you It's a defining moment as well. That's what this is. It's believing in the Lord Jesus. It's, it's more than just saying, I believe. You put your faith and trust in him, and he changes your life. It starts with believing. The second step in discipleship is the word belong. In Romans chapter 12, it says, So in Christ, we, speaking to a church, all those people, though many, you form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. All the, the one body, we're all, we're all many pieces, but we all belong together. We, we belong. That's, a, that's a, poli- a positional thing, but it's also a volitional thing. You are positionally, you are, it's not if I feel like I belong, I don't know if I feel like I belong there. It's not, you do belong. You're part of the family. That's a position because of Christ. But it is also volitionally. You have to then choose to to be a part, to belong. It becomes that part of your discipleship journey is you put your faith and trust in Christ, and then you realize that I need the others. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian in God's design of things. He never meant a Christian to be saved and then never had, that we belong because that's part of, our, part of our spiritual growth is that we are belonging together. All of us belong to one another. The third word is then we become. Romans 8, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. The ultimate design of discipleship is we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Becoming Jesus is making us. He's changing us inside out. It's a process, an inside out process, but it is a process that God is doing. Everyone who's put their faith and trust in him, understand they're positionally belong to the body. And now he says, and you are becoming who I've made you to become. And that's to be like Christ. And then the last word is one that we got to make sure we remember, and that is the word replicate. I, I, I searched through every dictionary and thesaurus I could to come up with a B word, and I couldn't come up with a fourth B word because I don't think there's a word that defines that any better than the word replicate. The word replicate, maybe that's not even too familiar with you, but you look at the definition. It's not just duplicate, not just like a copy machine. It literally means putting in process something that makes you like what you saw. That's making disciples and make disciples if I've, never, if I've ever heard it. We see what God has done in our lives, and we take that pattern, and we pour it into someone else. That's where go and make disciples. We replicate what God has done in our life. We replicate that in the lives of others. Um, here's, here's what I know often has happened. It's happened perhaps in your life. I know it's happened in churches all around. A lot of people get number one. They even start getting number two. They even become number three. They're starting to see because God's working in their life. But the enemy has a great way of getting us to stop before we get to number four. There's a lot of Christians who just have, have not 
pursued the fact that God has called each of us individually to replicate what God has done, in our, to take what we have done and replicate that in the life of someone else, to make disciples. And so this whole process is part of it. Now, if you were to go back and look at these four words, it goes back to our definition of a disciple. Disciple, believing, that's someone who is committed to following Jesus. Belonging and becoming, that's someone who is being made differently by Jesus. And replicate is one who is on mission with Jesus. That's what a disciple does. That's what a disciple is. That's what we're here to do. That's who God has called us to make, is make disciples, bring people to believe, help them to belong, give them encouragement to become, and then give them the challenge to replicate what God has done and to change the lives of not only theirs, but the lives of those around you. There's a, there's a word... That, that I've used, I've heard used in all, all of my life, and it's not a bad word at all. I'm not putting it down, and, but it, it's, it's a word that churches have used, like ours, for years. It's called a soul winner. How many have heard that phrase? I am a soul winner. He's a real soul winner. It's a great word, but understand, it's, it's actually not a biblical word. It's, it's, a, it's a word that, that ref, reflects, perhaps, but it's not biblically based. The more biblical-based word would be, I'm a disciple-maker. And I'm not trying to argue, I'm just saying semantically, that's what God has called us to do. That winning souls, that sounds good, but the goal is we're making disciples. And that starts by winning souls. It starts by leading them to Christ, but we don't stop there. It's then taking them and help them to mature to become what Christ has them to be. Which gets to our last question tonight, how do we obey this? What is our strategy? So the Calvary strategy, as we have defined it, is simply leading people to follow Jesus by taking their next step. This is how we take what we're called to do as disciples and put it into simple. We, we're leading people to follow Jesus. And I really believe one of the greatest pictures of that is just by them taking one step at a time. Every one of us in this room has a next step. What's yours? I ask you that and I would ask anyone that. You hear us say it often because I think that's the way that this works is what's the next step that God has for you within this being process, this belonging process, becoming process, replicating. What is the next step that you need to take? And uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you the, the overview tonight because next week we're going to dive in a little bit with some more details. But the verse, Colossians 1, has become what I think to be kind of a, a theme for this, this part of our, our church. Paul said this, he is the one, that's Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He said, you, you want to see, this is the vision, that we do everything we can, we contend with all energy we have to present people fully mature in Christ. That's what Calvary Baptist is all about. That's the vision, the biblical vision, the prophetic message God has given us is go and make disciples, and this is what it looks like. Helping them take their next step, bringing them to full maturity. That's what our church is about. That's why we do what we do. That's, that's why we have kids ministry. It's why we have youth ministry. It's why we have small groups. It's why we have D groups. It's why we have Bible studies when we have them, why we preach on Sundays. Everything we do comes back to this, that God has called us to lead people to follow Jesus by helping them take their next step. Showing them what that step is, encouraging them, challenging them, even kind of kicking them along if we need to. And that's sometimes what we have to do as friends and as family, is to help them take this next step. The pathway involved, and this is the picture you see, that, that diagram is, is one that we're, I'm going to fill in the blanks a little bit next week. But it's some words that you've seen before, if you've been here at all in the last, you know, probably over the last 10 years. Um, we, we've actually kind of just 
over the years, we've learned some things but that, that I hope make it even easier to follow. But literally saying what I think our discipleship pathway is, it involves these three words, come, connect, and continue. That MD squared in the middle, that's, that's my way of thinking, make disciples that make disciples. All right? Just make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's what we're going for. And we do it with those three things. Very simply, come, connect, continue. Now, this, those three words are something I think we do every week at Calvary. We, we come to church. We encourage people to connect in a greater way with, their, uh, with a group or with others. And then we encourage you to continue, to, to take what you learn and, and change with it and share it with someone else. Even take your invite card, invite somebody back. It's all, that's every week we encourage you to do these three things. But what I believe is it's also the picture of what each of our next steps include. Coming. I'll give you some ideas. When we talk about coming, uh, we're talking about coming and believing. We're, we're talking now, we're taking this full circle. You come and you believe. Now, whether maybe you're already, you're already a follower of Christ, so it's not about believing in him for salvation, but we come together, we worship together to, to learn. Maybe it is to make that step of, of faith and trust in him, or maybe it's just growing in that faith, taking that step and, and challenging your faith, being challenged in your faith, or even just learning when we're singing and we're, we're learning, we're being uh, reminded and confirmed in our faith, but it's about believing. We express it in our public worship. We learn about it. We go out of here saying these are things that we're stronger now in our belief. We come and we believe. That's what we do. We do it on a regular basis. We, but, but here's the thing. Coming is phenomenal. We need it every week. We need it on a regular basis. In fact, I believe the Bible is pretty clear that, that we don't want to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to come together. We need that coming together gathering time. But here's also the truth. That is, that's literally a pretty low-cost commitment. So one time a week, maybe twice if you're in a group, maybe, you know, you're, but it's pretty low-cost commitment. But it is the beginning stage. That's where we get to connect. And that's we connect to belong and to become. We connect with others. We connect with others in relationships. We connect, and, but the reason this is a little bit harder is because we're not just talking about making some friends and going to hanging out, and that's great. We're going to eat together. We always eat. That's just what we do. That's, what, that's part of the Baptist creed. You have to eat, right? So we eat, but it's more than that. It's building relationships that are going to, like we saw this morning, hold you accountable. Are you reading your Bible? What did you learn this week? It's taking the Bible and learning it and, and diving into it and getting deeper into it. It's connecting on a deeper level, which is going to mean you're going to get a little more vulnerable. Your life's going to open up. And the deeper the relationships, the more that you, you become open and, and you start sharing even what God's doing in your life and struggles. And, you start, and that's how you belong. And you start seeing God changing you from the inside out. Here's what we know. Making disciples, here's a quote that we've talked before. Making disciples is the destination and relationships are the vehicle that takes us there. This connection part, we know that God's called us to make disciples, but this isn't just a program. It's not just, okay, we're going to, this is our disciple class, and this is, it's not just a, a, a process you go through. It's a matter of, it has to go through relationships. That's how Jesus did it. So he taught his disciples to do it. That's how the early church did it. It was revolved around relationships, and that's what connecting comes down to. And then the third thing is, the next step is to continue and we continue, and that's how we replicate. We take what we're learning, and we pour it into someone else's life. We replicate the discipleship that's happened to us in the life of someone else and help them to grow. Here's what we have to remember, church. Churches have the tendency to become holy huddles. 
to become a place for Christians to gather, which is great, come together, even begin to connect. But they become a holy huddle, and pretty soon you're not even sure you want people that are not saved in this group because, well, it kind of messes up our chemistry. There's even been said in churches, ooh, you know, those people, do you know, you know we, we forget what it was like to be lost. We become a holy huddle, and, we, and, we, and everything is involved in what happens here, and we forget that we're just here to recharge our batteries to go out and to do something in the world around us. Sunday mornings is for us to come and have our faith encouraged and challenged so that we can take that and replicate it in someone else's life. Church, if it's not a holy huddle, churches also sometimes become bunkers. Because the world is so bad, so evil, we've got to have a group of people that we can, we can just kind of bunker down and be safe. That God never called us to be safe. You, you look at Paul and all the other guys' life, they, they not only had, the, they go into wild places, they put their lives on the line every day because that's what we're called to do. We come here, we get encouraged, we get challenged, but if we don't replicate and we don't take this to the next level, then we're missing the last and, and, and critical part of discipleship. So we continue and we, rep, we replicate. We do what God has called us to do. We're not a holy huddle. We've got to turn this and begin to look outwardly and see that we're here to encourage, but there's a whole world outside of us that needs Jesus. And what has he called us to do? To go and make disciples. Lead people to, to follow Jesus by taking their next step. And some of those people are people we work with, some of the people we see on a daily basis, some of the people in our families, whatever it is, we, we replicate. We take that to them, and we then invite them to come and, and join us in this journey, replicate in their life what we have experienced. All right, so tonight, that's, that's the reminder. Vision 2019 starts right there. We are called to make disciples that make disciples, leading people to follow Jesus by taking their next step. And we do that as we come, we connect, and we continue. Now, next Sunday, my goal is to fill in a few of these blanks and give you some specifics of what, what I feel like that would look for, like for us in 2019 and hopefully challenge you to, to take some of these steps with us. But, but I, I promise you, you're going to be seeing this, and I hope it starts to make sense. And you can even explain it to somebody else that comes, what does is, what is come, connect, and continue mean? And you can exp- that's what we do at Calvary. You're here on Sunday? Well, you're coming. That's fantastic. Getting in a life group? That's what we do by connecting. We go out and we serve the community. We, you bring people. To, that's, that's how we continue. And you begin, to, you begin to grasp it, and we begin to share it with other people as well.